Listening to Digital Now, an original business and technology podcast by Logic 2020. I'm your host, Matt Treville. Each episode, I'll be interviewing a new expert to learn more about industry trends, fascinating new tech, shifting customer expectations, and the steps every business can take to stay ahead. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the episode. We are here with Mick Wagner, who is one of our senior solution architects in our advanced analytics practice. He helps our clients with data strategy and solving complex business problems with simple technical solutions. Mick, welcome. Thanks, Matt, for inviting me to uh, to the show. I'm excited to uh, finally participate in this um, podcast for Logic 2020. Yeah, well, thanks for coming along. How are you doing? Good, good, good. We are, um, you know, right in the thick of things, and uh, we're in a very exciting time and place now. Uh, especially when it comes to, to data analytics with all the um, changes and technology and all the things that are uh, available today that seems, you know, nearly impossible five years ago. Yeah, well, that's a perfect segue. Thank you. you you've helped me there, mate. So what's on your mind? <laughs> it sounds like you started answering it already, but what, what's going on? Yeah, so we, we have all these things that we can do, but... You know, in my last, you know, 10 plus years of, of consulting, um, it's not working, right? So you, you, you sit with the businesses and they're simply not adopting the um, technology and really developing those types of, um, you know, data cultures and data-driven decision-making as, as one would expect. And there's there's a lot of reasons for this. And it's, it's not good because, you know, the companies that, that are doing this, are, are really kind of pushing the edge and seeing you know faster growth not only in market share but in profitability um, and even doing more more innovative work and so it's it's really unfortunate right because we're not seeing our clients achieve everything that they could and it's not that they're not trying they, they've invested in all sorts of various ways they've they've invested in the technology they've invested in, in the cloud and in the migration and getting everything um, up and running there. Um, they've invested in, in data. They've either acquired data sets, clean data sets. They've hired brilliant data professionals. They've got that hotshot data scientist. They have all these folks. But, but frankly, they just haven't gotten the expected return on investment mm. from, from all these different um, you know, strategic moves and, and investments. And you, know, it's, you kind of start asking yourself, well, well why is that, right? And so, you know, when, when you sit in these important meetings, whether they're with executives or, or different analysts, um, and you listen to the way they, they discuss and they think and they make decisions, um, there's still data is not involved as, as one would think it would be, right? These, these teams, these leaders are still leaning on their experience and, and making, you know, gut-based uh, decision-making, which is fine. It has its place, but we would hope to see in, in some of these clients as they mature their um, data experience or data journey, they're really kind of using the data to influence that kind of gut-based yeah. decision making and really making um, making better decisions. Yeah. So, so why do you think this is happening? Like, what are the pain points here? Well, it's really not a surprise if you actually go and sit with the uh, the data analyst team and you actually kind of watch the data and the decision making roll through all the different processes, whether it's you know the developers you know pulling together the data, whether it's the analysts trying to you know, understand the data that's been pulled together. 
and then the executives taking that input and trying to make a decision, you'll see pretty quickly that it's uh, it's quite disjointed, right? And it's disjointed in, in many ways. Um, some of the ways are, are really around the technology and then how does the operating model tie into the technology. Um, some of it is, you know, our roles are changing in kind of the modern workplace. This idea now that, you know, only analysts can understand statistics and, and SQL just, just isn't true. Mm-hmm. As our world gets more complex and the data gets more complex, everyone really needs to have kind of that baseline understanding of, of statistics and of, of data literacy to really make good use of the data. So you're seeing all these areas where it just, just really doesn't line up. And so, you know, let's, let's look at just the technology one, because this is the, the one that everyone loves talking about. And you can find, you know, 500 articles on, on the web or <laughs> yeah. blogs talking about this new data and this, this new technology. And, you know, every vendor is probably calling you trying to get you to invest in this thing. And so in the past, we actually lived in kind of a simpler world. And while it was more, you know, restrictive with the type of analytics we could do, it was kind of simpler. You were an Oracle house, you were a SQL server house, and, you know, um, being in Seattle, we, we've always kind of had clients that were SQL Server um, houses. And so how that world would work is that, you know, you would buy into your single stack. You would kind of have all the different tools you need to kind of go from end to end. Now, they weren't necessarily always the best tools, but everything kind of played nicely together. And, and that was kind of that. Well, you know, back, you know, around, you know, 10 years ago, the whole big data revolution and, and the idea of, you know, moving everything to the cloud and storage got cheap. And that kind of required a, a change in mindset of how these technologies come together. Mm-hmm. Not going into all the details, um, it, is, it is pretty fascinating looking at which kind of core achievements kind of um, change this technology. What you have today is a huge list of technologies. Uh, one of the VC firms uh, puts together a list of, you know, oh, these are the critical big data technologies, or these are the critical uh, MarTech technologies. And if you look at it from 10 years ago, there's probably like, you know, 15, yeah. 15 technologies on there, can't get your head wrapped around. You look at it now, it's like 500. Wow. And, you know, now we've moved from this kind of single stack mentality to best tool for the specific use case for this purpose. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to see it shift back to being more of a, well, which cloud provider are you going with? Oh, that cloud provider, well, you know, as part of their business model, makes it incredibly sticky to use kind of all their tools and whatnot, but they may not be the best. And so what we're seeing is that from a solutions architecture technology point of view, what the CIOs and, and the CTOs are doing is really you know, taking that best um, tool for the, the job they have and bringing it all together. So, you know, which is great, it opens up a lot of doors, but now you're spending all this time trying to get all this technology to work, where in the past it was really about kind of, you know, getting, um, as a developer, it was just sort of getting the end-to-end stack to work. But now I see my developers spending more of their time just getting the different technologies to talk to each other. Mm, yeah. But ironically, it usually involves learning another new technology. <laughs> and as, you know, all these investments are, are kind of moving forward, yeah. I don't know which technologies are going to be kind of solid or, or safe for a vast number of years. So ironically, you see a lot of our clients thinking more about portability and, and open source and, you know, all those sorts of things. So. Um, the sure it is, it's just, it's really complex. Yeah. And so what you see is that disjointedness that the developers have to, to work with um, essentially permeates through the entire decision-making process. And so a really good example that I like to give is, is thinking about um, 
um, if you are a, a business user, right, and you have a decision you need to make, and so say you are a product manager and you want to evaluate how well your product is doing. Um, and I was sat with some of our folks out with one of our uh, telecom clients and kind of kind of watched how they do this. And you know, they pull up one report here, and oh, well, they know this number is good, and I trust that number, and I know what to do with that number. All oh, the rest of it is kind of not for me. It's, it doesn't doesn't really matter. And then they pull up another report, and they kind of look at this, and they pull this one number. Then they go to like another web service, and maybe that's not quite right. So they <laughs> scrape it down into an Excel spreadsheet, and they kind of kind of mash it all together. You know, they, they they make a decision, and they kind of roll with it. But then if someone goes, oh, we'll explain that, how do you do this and that. You know, just just kind of starts to kind of fall apart, mm. and so very quickly you kind of have they have their process, someone else has their process, and when you have these discussions, it's hard to trust the data. Like, I know this sounds like the same thing I would have said, you know, 15 years ago, but having everyone in the room having their answer based on their data, which is wildly different than the conclusions everyone else drew because the data was somewhat different for, for various reasons. And so when you're looking at all that, you can see pretty quickly. That this this experience is just not um, not very easy to use, and so it's it's a high hurdle to clear. And if your data isn't trustworthy, if it's not actually getting that benefit, or if you don't know how to monitor and measure if you're getting that benefit, you can see why no one's actually using this. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. If there's if if it's all over the shop, what your data sources? How are you gonna you know how are you gonna make those decisions? So so who does this impact? Yeah, so you know, we talked a little bit about the developers, and so what, what happens for the developers is that they need to learn a lot of new technology, and this has always been the case in development. I've, I've told my team, you know, you're, you've joined a, a journey of, of, of continuous improvement and continuous learning, and new technologies come out. But I think the amount that people have had to pick up has probably grown by three or fourfold, right? Hmm. So what you'll do is you'll kind of find people kind of figuring out their camps and kind of where they want to work in, um, but what will happen is they're not going to be building the most optimal code because they're just not going to know it. They kind of need to know everything at a low level, and it's just very intensive um, for themselves to, to understand. From a uh, essentially for a, a business user, that experience is kind of what we described before, where you're, you're pulling from all these different different data sets. Um, but if you're like you know say an analyst, and you're trying to build the best dashboard to help drive this solution to um, you know help your, your say your financial team you know identify uh, fraud or something like that. Um, you're still kind of picking and choosing, and it's really hard to actually have something well defined for your use case to to go to market. So this isn't something that's just a developer issue or just a business issue. It's really kind of hitting across the um, entire business as a whole as as they make decisions everyone yeah so can you i mean you sort of i'm getting the idea here but can you touch upon you know why we should care and why this is important yeah so if we go back and, and this is kind of one of the areas where i felt a little jealous of some of the other uh, kind of business functions and groups but you know if we go back and think about if you're designing a, a product or, or application there's this heavy focus on, on ui and ux and really focusing on that um, user-centered experience and design. And, and the short of it is, right, the experience that you have will impact the trust that you have mm -hmm. in the tool, right? Yeah. And if you don't have trust, you're not going to use the tool, and then you're not going to have access to the data. And so why should we care? Like, you know, all this investment has happened, and we're getting no use out of it, right? And yeah. what's 
what, what usually happens is, you know, the, the tech folks will be in their camp and they'll say, well, we built it, it's great, we're going to use it, figure it out. You know, the business group will be like, I don't have time to like pick up a new thing, like this needs to be more catered to kind of what I need. And so that gap is sort of the reason why, you know, all these investments just, just won't really see the, uh, the return that they're expecting. Um, and so what, what will happen, this is actually starting to happen, right? So if you're on the tech side of the house, you know, your investments are going to dry up. The business is going to eventually stop investing in new technology and you're going to have less people and you're going to have less resources to, to work with. Um, but from a business perspective, and McKinsey did a, did a brilliant study um, a few years back, um, but it kind of showed what is the difference between the top tier companies that use data to drive their business and those who don't, right? And it's not a huge number, but you have to remember this number compounds. Yeah. So 3% you know, advantage one year, well, that will result in a slightly bigger you know, advantage the next year. You start adding all this stuff up, and if you're not ready to go and you, you haven't put in that investment, a lot of these companies are just going to get crushed. I mean, this isn't completely representative, but you think about the way that, that Amazon and their retail business can focus in so closely on what people need and whether it's the old classic machine learning they did on, you know, customers who bought this will, will like this. But all that builds that pattern, that behavior, you know, um, you know the common everyone loves to talk about data being the new, the new fuel in the um, current generation. All that sort of adds up, right? And it gets so big, you'll have companies like, you know, um, Sears and, and Macy's, which we're, we're running with an Amazon um, analogy, just can't catch up. You can't just suddenly go, oh, cool, well, now we're interested in doing this. We want to do this. It, it is a long-term um, investment. So people really should care about not just the, uh, you know, essentially the, the new um, data platform or the next-gen data platform, but they really need to focus in on what is the, um, the data experience that people are having. Yeah. And that's going to obviously adoption to any technology is the success, right? You have to use it for it to be valuable. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So how would someone get started to improve the data experience? Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of places to start here. So I'll, I'll run through, um, through a few of them, right? And so one of the things that, that we do a lot when we're working with our clients is that there may be the best solution that we're pulling together 15 technologies to solve this problem. Um, that's really the one we'll go with, right? There are a lot of advantages to having things that will play nicely together. And so you need to take a, a real holistic look of, of the solution that you are presenting and making sure that you're willing to make some sacrifices on perhaps performance or those other things to make it more usable, right? And so getting rid of that disjointedness um, for your developers early on will make it easier for them to make quicker changes and truly be more, more agile in their developments. Um, so they can make the changes that align with the business and it kind of all starts there. Um, so that's a common thing that we'll ask you know, all of our architects and lead developers to do is like, okay, cool, we're gonna help you guys design and build something. But when we leave, who's running this? Like if we're working with a team of, of people who are entirely SQL based, you probably shouldn't design and build a solution in Python, yeah. even though it might be better because we've now handed a bigger issue to our client when they think about, okay, how are we now going to hire or train up these folks? And so that's that's one component to look at is making sure that you know, you're looking at where you can make sacrifices and, and such things as performance or, or features to actually get better better usage. 
Um, another aspect that I think is kind of interesting to you is we talked about that kind of product manager who you know goes to uh, you know Adobe to pull their, their usage for their products. They might go to financial dashboard to kind of dashboard to kind of pull together um, what are they looking at from uh, performance and, and you know uh, customer acquisition costs and whatnot. They might have to go to um, you know a tool like Zoar or something to to scrape together their um, social their subscription data and how everything comes together. Well, we talked about starting at the beginning, which is on the development and technology side. Well, we can also start at the end, and that's how do you bring all this stuff together? And so this is where utilizing both technology and processes is really important. So from a process perspective, one of the things that, that we really enjoy doing is, is leveraging what all of our friends in the UI, UX world did 10 years ago. Um, and it's really thinking about personas and how do you design something and acknowledging that you know, this isn't like six years ago where it was really hard to build a dashboard or, or more challenging. You can build multiple dashboards for multiple people and with a well thought out um, design and data sharing and whatnot, you can create custom experiences tailored towards that individual. And when you do that, the biggest thing that you accomplish is that you're working with them, you're making it easier for them to provide requirements for you while making the requirements you give the developer more, more accurate. Mm -hmm. And so coming up with those kind of custom tailored designs and, and bringing all that together at the initial design stage is, is really critical. But also, there may be cases where it's just, you know what, the company's already invested in Tableau, Tableau's kind of doing some of the stuff, you know, they've already invested in Click or, or Power BI, those are doing this, oh yeah, and we got Adobe, so they're doing their thing. So we found that a, a good, you know, easy win is to use a tool such as a um, you know, analytics hub, mm. which will kind of create this kind of seamless web experience where you can pull in all those different dashboards and data into a single place. And so that's a great way too, where you can take those, you can reshift them. Um, and we've done some work with our, our partner um, Zen Optics and kind of thinking about how do you create workflows that more closely mimic the actual analysts and what they do instead of just kind of throwing them a bunch of stuff and hoping they can, can, can kind of figure it out. So those are kind of the two ways to kind of, you know, get kind of kind of quick wins, kind of early on the tech side and on the business side. Um, but those are really only going to get you so far. The, the next steps are, are things that you need to think of as being, you know, my gosh, I wish I could say it was a six-month investment, but it's probably really more like an 18-month and, and three-year investment. And this is where you need to rethink not only your operating model and how it is that all these things kind of come together, and there's all sorts of exciting things that people are doing now, whether it's thinking about, you know, having a, and this, this concept's been around for a while, but coming up with like a center of excellence, mm. where you're kind of using that as a tool mechanism to kind of standardize different concepts. You have the, um, you know, data mesh approach, where you're essentially, you know, pushing out to the different domain groups and using like a domain-centered approach. Um, you have all these different, uh, you know, techniques and, and processes. You have kind of at a higher level, treating everything with a product management lens, right? And becoming very focused on being customer first and figuring out how, how all that works. These are all big changes. And these are all big changes that, you know, we've, we've seen clients go to implement at different stages and, you know, understanding the different um, maturity points and what they would achieve and how you got there. It, it's a big commitment. It's not something that can be done with one group or two groups. It, it really needs to kind of come from the, um, the top down. Um, now, some of the things you can do from the bottom up when it comes to this is, is really focusing in on, on culture change. And so how is it that a engineering manager, a VP of a group, 
or you know a director of, of the data analytics team can kind of start to make these changes, right? And so when we look at this, um, you know, this sounds really buzzy, but you know, thinking about how do you develop that culture of innovation? How do you encourage and inspire experimentation, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is a very different mindset. Um, you know, depending upon the, the types of folks you've hired and their background, will we'll kind of tell you how how fast they can adapt to this. Uh, coming from a, from engineering and science, for me, it was very very simple to think. Oh, hypothesis, data to prove it, experiment, do it. Okay, now what? Um, and so that's like a very basic kind of scientific kind of thinking process. But when you're dealing with data, all that becomes um, becomes really really helpful. Um, you know, so that's one way to kind of think about is how do you find those small wins within your own team, whether it's doing the agile um, implementation and, and, and really getting truly agile with that experimentation, or whether it's thinking about things through a product lens, um, all these are kind of little things that can be done um, to kind of get the ball moving. You know what I love about all this, Mick? I know it's very technical and you need to have the right people to be able to implement all this sort of stuff, but at its core, it's very simple and logical, like what you're trying to achieve, right? Adoption. You have to know where the data is. You have to be able to see it to make the business decisions. I just love that part of it, maybe because I'm not a technical person myself, you know. <laughs> so that helps me, but but I love it. So one final thing I like to ask all my guests is if you could leave the audience here with one thought, what would it be? Oh, wow. Just just one thought. That's, that's <laughs> I know it's going to be tough, but so, you could do it. I think that... The big thing to take away from this, and, and um, we've shared some articles about this, and we're going to be coming up with some more um, uh, blog posts on this, is, you know, don't just think about the technology, don't just think about the investment, but it's worth your time to actively be reviewing the data experience from all the key players involved when they're interacting with this. And I think, I think mostly when people do take that step back, whether they're doing you know, internal consulting or hiring people to do it or, or bringing in um, outside experts, you very quickly will learn so much by looking at what the experience is for different kind of key individuals. And that will kind of guide you or reinforce the decisions that you've already made and, and where you want to make your investments. So we're always looking for, for data leaders to kind of work with and share ideas and whatnot. So if you ever want to, you know, network or, or meet with anyone from our team, you ever talk about the technology or the implementation side, Feel free to email me at mickw at logic2020.com. Mick, thank you so much for your time today, mate. This was fantastic. Uh, definitely have to do it again sometime. Um, thank you. Fabulous. Thanks, Matt. You've been listening to Logic 2020's podcast, Digital Now. To learn more, visit our website at logic2020.com or follow us on social media. See you next time.